Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are chatting about taxes for digital nomads. Now, a little bit of a background before we get straight into the content. A while ago, oh boy, this was probably three or four years ago, I contemplated writing a book. I shouldn't even say I contemplated. I started writing a book that was going to be titled The Digital Nomad Tax Guide. Long story short, for those of you that don't know, I studied Russian and German in college. I always thought I would you know, be working in like international business or something. After law school, I got my master's in tax law. And in my tax program, I took several international tax classes. So that was a bit of a focus on mine, of mine. When I started my business, I had a good friend who became a digital nomad. She traveled all the time and became friends with a lot of other business owners who were traveling on a regular basis. And I started started to develop a niche in that space. Now, I never got super far into the niche. I decided um, it wasn't the route I wanted to put like 100% of my energy into. And this was around the same time I started getting in the wedding industry and creative niche as well. And I leaned more into that route to get my business started. But I have spoken um, to some digital nomad groups. I have some experience with it. And I actually got about 70 pages into that book before I decided I wasn't going to finish it. So I've been sitting on this uh, 70 page Google Doc for quite a while. And I finally decided I wanted to do something with it. So I turned it into a five part blog series that I just call Digital Nomad Tax Guide parts one through five. And I figured as always, it would be good to get this content on the podcast. Now I now I know that most, many, probably most of you listening are not digital nomads, in which case this isn't going to be entirely relevant, but I still think it's interesting. So if you want to tune into this episode, I would love for you to keep listening. Um, I think that, you know, you're going to learn some stuff. There's going to be some principles that are going to be helpful, but I decided only this first part will be on our regular Thursday uh, podcast slot. And then I'm going to do uh, parts two and three together as a bonus episode on Monday, and then parts uh, four and five together as a bonus episode on Tuesday. And then next Thursday, I will have a general topic that's applicable to a broader audience. So let's get into part one, the foreign earned income exclusion an introduction. So First of all, we have an obligatory legal disclaimer. I must make it clear that uh, I am not your attorney. I should probably have this disclaimer on all of my podcast episodes. I definitely put it in my blog. The rules that I'm outlining here in this episode and in the blog post apply differently to everyone based on individuals, facts, and circumstances. Thus, this is not legal advice. It's general information. My goal in writing the guide is to provide general information to make you a more well-informed taxpayer and to also provide practical tips you can follow to ensure compliance with tax law and possibly help save you tax dollars. With that said, 
This guide does cover some fairly complex topics. I've included rules from regulations that even many tax lawyers, I'd say most tax lawyers, likely would not discover unless doing targeted research for digital nomad clients. Okay, so let's get into the general rule. The U.S. tax system is widely considered one of the most complex in the world, if not the most complex. Unsurprisingly, U.S. international tax law is one of the more complicated areas within U.S. tax. There are different rules that apply to citizens versus non-residents versus non-citizen residents. This guide is focused on the rules affecting U.S. citizens living and working abroad. For tax purposes, under most rules, green card holders are treated as U.S. citizens, so this guide should prove useful for these individuals as well. The general rule regarding U.S. tax is that U.S. citizens are taxed on their worldwide income. Throughout this series, this principle will be referred to as the general rule, so let's state that one more time. The general rule is that U.S. citizens are taxed on their worldwide income. The vast majority of nations only tax citizens on income earned in that respective country. Our tax code makes things a little bit trickier. This means that a U.S. person living the entire tax year in a foreign country is still subject to U.S. tax. There are many exceptions to the general rule, but it's important to understand our baseline. It provides the why behind why we need to pay such close attention to the rules. Tax lingo. Before diving into the rules, it's helpful to understand some tax industry-specific terms, which may have different definitions outside of the tax context. Now, this is quite a big section in my blog post, so I'm not going to read through this full section. If you would like all the details, I want you to click the link from the show notes over to the blog post and read this. I have them in like dropdowns. So I define income tax and self-employment tax, what a U.S. person is under the tax law, uh, what a foreign person is, uh, who is a resident. So U.S. person, foreign person, resident, those are all different terms with defined uh, meanings, a domestic versus foreign business, a service provider, business deductions, standard versus itemized deductions, and credits. So as I'm reading through this blog, if you hear me, reference a resident or a service provider, and you're like, hmm, what does that specifically mean? Click over to the blog post and read the definition. You'll find it helpful. Okay, filing requirements. Determining whether a taxpayer is required to file a tax return is a threshold issue. Many nomads falsely believe that they need not file a U.S. tax return if they are abroad for most or all of the tax year. Unfortunately, this is incorrect. The general rule requires taxpayers who meet the IRS filing requirement income thresholds to file regardless of how much time they spend in the U.S. For the 2018 tax year, uh-oh, I lost my spot. There we go. Um, for the 2018 tax year, the filing requirement is based solely on the standard deduction. If taxpayer's income is greater than the standard deduction, she is required to file a tax return. The below chart shows the standard deductions for 2018, it was 24,000 married filing joint, 18,000 head of household, 12,000 single or married filing separate. These numbers have since increased. Uh, they tend to increase uh, every year a little bit to adjust for inflation and such. For self-employed taxpayers, this is based on gross, not net income. This makes sense because if a single taxpayer only has $10,000 in income, the deduction will reduce income to $0. Therefore, tax is zero unless one of the following applies. 
you had net earnings from self-employment of a less of at least $400, which that would apply to most of us since we're small business owners. You owe any special taxes. You or your spouse receives health savings account distributions. You add wages from church or qualified church controlled organizations, or you had advanced payments of a premium tax credit or health coverage tax credit. Even when a taxpayer is not required to file, it's still a generally good practice, particularly if a taxpayer is owed a refund due to tax withholdings or an available credit. Filing a return also starts the clock on the IRS's allowable time to go back and audit the return, and filing a return is necessary for deductions and credits to get carried forward. Perhaps most importantly, filing a return helps tax agencies keep tabs on what taxpayers are doing from year to year. And you may be thinking, I don't want the IRS keeping tabs on me, but this is helpful for the foreign earned income exclusion. The foreign earned income exclusion, also the FEIE, um, I don't think that acronym is much easier for me to say than foreign earned income exclusion. So I'm just going to refer to it as the exclusion for purposes of this podcast only. So if I'm talking, say the exclusion, this is what I'm talking about. The exclusion is a major exception, kind of, to our general rule. It comes from section 911 of the US tax code and allows a person to exclude income earned abroad from their taxable income for income tax purposes if that person qualifies. Taxpayers must file a tax return to claim this exclusion. The exclusion only excludes earned income, like your self-employment income. It does not exclude passive income, like capital gains. It also only excludes foreign income, as is probably obvious from the title, the foreign earned income exclusion. Income earned within the U.S. cannot be excluded. Combining these two requirements means that only income earned through your efforts while outside the U.S. is excludable. The foreign earned income exclusion only exempts income for income tax purposes. Taxpayers must still pay self-employment tax on their self-employment income. Let's look at a hypothetical. Jill lived in the U.S. January through March of 2022 and in Germany for the remainder of the year. She earned $12,000 in passive income and $120,000 in earned income. Let's assume for simplicity that she earned the same amount each month, so these totals are clearly divisible by 12. How much does Jill have in foreign earned income? The passive income is not earned. We can disregard that. Jill had $120,000 in earned income, 75% of which was earned while living abroad. Thus, her foreign earned income was $90,000. In addition to the above two caveats, the exclusion has income limitations. The exclusion is limited to $112,000 per person in 2022. Any foreign earned income over $112,000 cannot be excluded. Also note that any of these rules are subject to change, of course, by our Congress people. Many tax experts expected drastic changes to the exclusion rules under the 2018 tax overhaul. Luckily for expats and nobads, the exclusion provisions were largely untouched. Whenever there are whispers of tax law changes in Congress, take note and stay up to date on what could be changing, specifically with regard to what's discussed in this series. Do nomads typically qualify? The very short answer. Most nomads will qualify for the exclusion if they are outside of the U.S. for at least 330 days. Here's an example of how the exclusion works to reduce income. 
Let's say Dora Designer is a U.S. citizen. Dora works at her full-time job for the month of January. Then she leaves the country and works remotely while traveling the globe. She makes $5,000 in January and $50,000 the rest of the year. Dora's tax return will show $55,000 of income. She will then complete the exclusion required form to exclude $50,000 of her income since it was foreign earned income. The return will then show $5,000 of taxable income for income tax purposes. Dora could not simply report $5,000 of income since she has the burden of reporting all income and then showing why some should be excluded from tax. If Dora took the approach of only showing $5,000 of income, she might she may wind up in a stressful audit. Also remember that under this hypothetical, she would have $55,000 subject to self-employment tax, but only $5,000 in income tax. Let's assume that Dora is only in the 10% tax bracket, which would be lower than reality. She's saving, you know, at least 10% income tax on the $50,000 excluded, which is five grand. She's probably going to save more than that. That's a lot of money that this is saving you. And then think about if you're more around the six-figure mark in terms of profit, you're probably saving a 20% tax on six figures, $20,000 in tax savings. This is a very big tax benefit, which is why we need to get into the particular rules to see if you would actually qualify. So the exclusion baseline rule. To be eligible to claim a foreign earned income exclusion, a taxpayer must have one, a foreign tax home, and two, either be a bona fide resident of a foreign country or be present in a foreign country for 330 days in 12 months. Let's dive into these sub rules. So first talking about the foreign tax home. A person's tax home is their regular or principal place of business. If an individual has no regular or principal place of business due to the nature of the business, that person's tax home is the regular place of abode. The issue with digital nomads is that by definition and in practice, they have no regular place of abode. So one court case found that where an individual has no regular place of abode, therefore having no tax home, that individual is an itinerant whose tax home moves with them from place to place. This is good news for the purposes of the, exclu of the exclusion, but not so much for purposes of traveling deductions, which I discuss uh, later in this series. A person does not have a foreign tax home if his abode is within the United States. Determining where one's abode is, unfortunately, is not so simple. The tax code does not define abode, so courts have looked at different facts to determine where one's abode is. One case interestingly cites a report from the House Ways and Means Committee to determine the legislative intent of this rule. That report stated that a person in Detroit, Michigan, who commutes daily to work in Windsor, Ontario, would technically have a tax home in Canada since their principal place of business in Canada is in Canada. However, their abode would be in Michigan. The law specifically specifies the abode specifically uh, disqualifies this person from having a foreign tax home, which makes sense, right? Because they're living in Michigan, working in Canada. The case continues to state that the intent seems to be clear that the abode limitation serves to provide tax benefits only to those who actually incur increased living expenses living abroad. This does not mean that you need to live in a country with a higher cost of living, however. The landmark cases that determine the taxpayer's abode to be in the U.S. involved individuals who worked on oil rigs for specified periods of time in which the employer paid 
for their housing on the oil rig. Logically, it makes sense for these individuals to be denied the exclusion because they incurred no financial detriment or personal out-of-pocket costs by living outside the U.S. while they maintain residence in the U.S. for their time off. The second requirement for the exclusion is that a taxpayer either be a bona fide resident of a foreign country, this is what we call the bona fide residence test, or be present in a foreign country for 330 days in a 12-month period of time, which we call the presence test. So first, the bona fide residence test. This option is only available to U.S. residents and not resident aliens. To be a bona fide resident of a foreign country, a taxpayer must go to that country for an indefinite period of time and set up permanent quarters. The taxpayer must also reside in that foreign country for an uninterrupted period, including an entire tax year, January 1 through December 31st. You may take trips from this new residence, including to the U.S., so long as you intend to return to the new residence. So to meet the bona fide residence test, I really think, I mean, I don't know if other people follow this terminology, but I kind of differentiate between expats and digital nomads. In my mind, a digital nomad, I mean, the term nomad itself like implies that someone is constantly traveling and has no home base, whereas an expat, um, I think technically is an expat someone who's renounced their citizenship or just someone who's moved out of the country. I think it's just someone who's moved out of the country. The other thing is a different term that I can't think of right now. But I would think of an expat as someone meeting the bona fide residence test. It's, you know... You marry someone, uh, you marry a Spanish person and move to Spain and that's your new home place. Or you just like really love, I don't know, you just really, really love Japanese culture. So you decide to move to Japan and make that your new home, whatever. Uh, that would be meeting the bona fide residence test. The presence test is what's going to be more applicable to people who travel on a regular basis. And this is a bit simpler. It requires taxpayers to be abroad for 330 total days in a tax year. A taxpayer would qualify if she spent, for example, 110 days in Spain, Italy, or France, um, 110 in each of those places, I should say, adding up to 330. There are specific rules on what counts as a whole. To be safe, uh, plan to be abroad for 331 or 332 days a year to meet this requirement. Most true digital nomads are going to meet this requirement rather than the bona fide residence test, since the presence test does not require setting up a permanent establishment in one country. So let's review. A digital nomad traveling regularly will likely be an itinerant whose tax home moves with them from place to place. If they stay outside the U.S. for at least 330 days for the tax year, they will qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion and save big money on their income taxes. So that is it for today's episode. Again, this is a pretty uh, technical topic, a little complex. If you want to listen to I would highly recommend you know, listening to this once or twice, and then maybe going to read the blog post for more specifics. If you liked this episode and you want to learn more about uh, all of our digital nomad rules, stay tuned for our bonus episodes. And since I know that this is a very, very niche topic, if you have friends who would find this useful, who are thinking about traveling or who do travel a lot, please share it with them. I would be so, so thankful. I'm sure they would be thankful because they're going to learn a lot about the specific area of our tax code and everyone wins. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for our regular episode next Thursday and I wish you the best. Have a good one.
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.